It takes more than not understanding Star Wars references <laughs> to be a great engineer. This is episode 359 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, where I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. And I do not understand Star Wars references most of the time. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development, a large fraction of which is based upon Star Wars. That's true. So I've been able to overcome that, that issue through perseverance and grit. Jameson lives with imposter syndrome every day. <laughs> I was talking to you about this, but I was not mentioning that core critical component, yes. which is that I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I think I've seen... all. I've seen the first six movies like once each and then some parts of the the newest ones, <laughs> but definitely not the repeat viewing kind of immersed in the culture stuff. <sighs> Maybe I should just just so I can really get rid of that imposter syndrome. <laughs> I think it's too late. You had to do it in your childhood where it would get baked into your DNA. It'll never work now. I'm trying to think what was baked into my DNA instead. I don't know. Biker Mice from Mars. Do you remember that cartoon? No. Was that around when no. you were a kid? I know you're a little bit older, so maybe you missed that one. Or like Pokemon. That was on all the yeah. time when I came home from that school. One's, um, I missed that one too. But you know of it. Yes, I do know of it, and I watched it. it. That was about the same, well, the generation after me. Actually, maybe even what I would consider two generations. Maybe not in the biological sense, but just kind of two waves of in culture. like the high school sense. Yeah, it's like two, yeah. two high school generations after me. <laughs> was that the right after me was pogs mm. was that i think pogs was right before yeah me. see that's a, I, I, I think i came in kind of at the end of pogs yeah. I, I vaguely remember pogs yep. in kindergarten yeah so pogs were coming out right when i was growing out of childish things although i never grew out of star wars jameson i'm not an imposter well, clearly it's not childish it's serious adult it's stuff. serious adult stuff that's why you know it never goes out of style eating paste i do remember <laughs> munching on that in kindergarten <laughs> maybe that's what's in Hopefully your dna generation now generation <laughs> alpha <laughs> that's holding you together <laughs> yeah i hope that upcoming generation alpha is staying true to their roots and it, also eating paste is generation alpha the new is that a new name for the next generation yeah it it's alphabetical so millennials are technically Generation two, Y. Generation 1000. That's why they're the Zoomers. It's because Generation Z. And then Generation Alpha is after that. And then I don't know if they have a catchy nickname. So they're, so they're, so it's a base 26 number system and they've overflowed the uh, bits yep. on this and they're just going to Alpha now? Yeah. I guess we could figure <sighs> out who was the previous Generation Alpha and then maybe do some interpretation to figure out are they going to like pin their petticoats up or something, yeah. <laughs> whatever it was. In the... <laughs> 26 generations ago. Turns yeah. out you're exactly like them. It's a Zodiac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you say Generation Y is millennials? Yeah, because you're Gen X, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, millennials are Gen Y, but they just, millennials, I, I, I did hear Gen Y a little bit, but millennials t definitely overtook it. And then Zoomers. Okay. It's just so Gen much Z. of a cooler name than Generation Z. No one really calls them Zoomers though, right? What? I mean, I hear that. I do. I hear Gen Z because my children are Gen Z, and they refer to themselves uh -huh. as Gen Z. Oh, maybe it's a maybe it's like a pejorative. I think Zoomers, Zoomers is what old people call them. <laughs> oh yeah, like you. <laughs> yeah, like me. You're such an old people. Because I fear them. <laughs> yeah. Their oh. Dynamicism and and strange new ideas and okay. I think you were you haircuts were, that 
rightly my haircuts when i was young those were good cool haircuts but nowadays these young people have their weird strange haircuts okay i think you were on the cusp of correctly bringing us back on topic and i agree i was and (laughs) yeah i'll try again okay software is also not what this show is about but more related than generational differences yes Let's let's thank our patrons. Okay, here we go. I'd like to thank thecomputersciencebook.com, Kyle Boss, Valentin at Datafold, Santa Hope, Arnoa, Fraser Lowe, Kent C. Dodds, Jenny Kim, Owen Shortle, Craig Motlin, I love Mavis, <gasps> The Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, at least we no longer have that awful name. Flux and Alpha Hillification is common in Lonfware. Ganadin Hutton, Ohio, Ganadin Hutton, Ohio, patron.com.au, we're hiring. Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, testing is documenting.org, Ola Rapafadi, Encore. This shout out sponsored by Will Angel. Ragnar, Nick Hathaway, Travis Anders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Bartek Tekkowski, Cody Seal, Nick Cantor, and Philip John Basile. If you'd like to join this illustrious crew, which I used to be able to say in one breath and no longer can, so that's progress. That's data-driven mm-hmm. indication of progress. You can go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button. And if you give us uh, just an insane amount of money, we'll say whatever you, almost whatever you want, or we'll try to say whatever you want, to within the character limit of the Patreon name field. And if you contribute any dollar amount at all, you can join our Slack community where people actually have a lot of fun and say a lot of good stuff. There's been a lot of advice giving recently on where do I go? What do I do after being laid off? I've been very keenly following that. The advice is great over there. I mean, there's hundreds of people. They have good things to say. So anyway, feel free to join. And uh, that's all I got, Jameson, on the Patreon front. You did a good job. Now I'm going to read a question. Does that sound okay? I approve. All right. This is from an anonymous listener who says, Hi, Dave and Jameson. What do you do when one of your immediate teammates is constantly competing against you? I really don't like competition. Ignoring the competitiveness and praising his value did not work. Some examples, leaving code review comments, showing off obvious knowledge, which does not really add value to the PR. (laughs) Constantly harassing you to pair on trivial matters. I think because pairing with someone less experienced is a trait desirable in our engineer scoring framework picking picking up a bigger version of whatever ticket you just did trying to be the first to quote answer your question in public without actually answering the question which actually just makes it difficult for me to get an answer because others would think it's already resolved part of me feels flattered that someone who has more years in the job sees me as a as worthy of competing against but at some point it became annoying and counterproductive appreciate your thoughts please don't tell me quitting my to quit my job and saying goodbye once and for all is the solution. Ah, got us. That is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tricked us. Yeah, we've kind of we've kind of cooled down on the quit your job thing recently. Yeah, we're changing yeah, with the times. Uh, yeah. See, we may be old and out of touch, but we're trying to stay as in touch as possible. Oh man, this is so crazy. This would be really frustrating to me <laughs> to have someone being like this. I mean, like, I, I, look, I have a lot of experience with this because I constantly feel like I need to be better than Jameson on this show. You may have noticed <laughs> that my answers are always longer, and uh, I always get the better questions. I get to read them. You, what else? You carefully place things in the right order. Yeah. I mean, it is a competition. We have, I was actually about to push send on the vote to say who's better, Dave or Jameson, and send out the survey, but maybe I'll pause until this question has some time to fade. Well, once this is over, they'll really know who's better. <laughs> Stand back and watch this. Roll my sleeves up. 
I got nothing. This would suck. I I know some people really thrive on competition, and I hate that direct one-to-one, you're working at the same place towards the same goal, but also competing with each other mm-hmm. competition. I, I hate that. Some of the, the most frustrating experiences of my work career have involved times where I thought I was observing competition instead of collaboration to solve a shared goal. Such as this podcast? <laughs> no, I uh, your your competition is on such another level that it doesn't even come across <laughs> that way to me. <laughs> I'll leave it to you at whether it is higher or lower. <laughs> oh boy! But this, honestly, this no, doesn't even feel like competition to me. This just feels like straight up. Man, what's the word for this behavior? It, it's it's not even a playing field. It's not. It's just like I'm trying to show you I'm better. Which I guess is a, a form of competition, but this, it's not like a, a healthy, you know, oh, look, I did one more ticket than you this week. Let's see if you can do more than me next week. You know, that would be a comp- like yeah. a friendly, healthy competition. This is just straight up disparagement. I mean, oh, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It feels pathological. I'm reading between the lines and it's, it sounds like this question asker might be at least newer in their career than the, the competitor. <laughs> and... I could see that being really frustrating because maybe there's this external vibe or, or question or concern of, of how much does this person really know? And then if you have someone else who's who's worked for longer and more experience in their career, putting forth this message that the answer is not very much, which is kind of what they're doing by by trying to take you unwillingly under their wing unhelpfully yeah exactly sort of communicating to others you mean squashing you under their wing (laughs) yeah yeah squashing you under their wing i like that this person really needs my help yeah look how much help i'm giving them which they desperately need yeah that that kind of sucks and and could be frustrating as well you know what you know what this person needs right now they need a pr comment where i lecture about red black binary trees this is going to be great yeah you know what Now's a good time to talk about Mark and Sweep garbage collection in <laughs> this PR in a language that exposes no ability to affect the garbage collector at all. Uh, if only this oh, language. You added a button to our UI. <laughs> <laughs> time to talk about, I don't know, pointers. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad JavaScript doesn't have pointer arithmetic because if it did, dot, 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 <laughs> three paragraphs later. Yeah. Oh, it would be boy. so much more efficient to animate this by adding a CSS property. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there, there is one thing that I look at here and think, is this me? Yeah. Which is I, at work, suffer from a desire to have people know that I know things. Okay. You mean just like this person we're talking about, apparently. Exactly. Yeah. Someone says a thing. I know something about that thing. I just want you Doesn't all to know. Doesn't matter if it's helpful or not. I also know yeah. something about this. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do that. And it's so annoying. And I know that I do it. How, how does that manifest? Tell, tell me about it. Like, what's your behavior? Oh, it's like asking how the fish swims, Dave. I don't know. I just do <laughs> I just <it>. swim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I think some of it is in PRs like that. Of uh, It's not quite uh, as annoying uh, and it's not saying here's what you should do, but but something like, oh, this reminds me of a cool idea of maybe someday we get here on this thing that I know stuff about. Mm-hmm. Or, 
I don't know. I, I should probably ask some, some colleagues how this manifests, but it can be useful because knowing stuff is useful and important yeah. if it helps achieve some kind of outcome. But if the outcome is now other people know that I know this yeah, thing, that's <laughs> then that's usually not very helpful. Yeah. Sometimes, frankly, it is helpful because it helps people know what kind of thing I could contribute to or they could talk to me in more technical detail about, especially yeah. as a manager. You, tr- you kind of need to figure out like, where the abstraction layer is that that is less useful to talk about with your manager but certainly it was not all in 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 was not all useful so i still think this is more aggressive than what i did and there's certainly the competition part of it of, of trying to like publicly make it look like you don't know stuff that they know is bad yeah i actually have a hard time imagining a world where you come across as rude or competitive because you're sharing knowledge it's just not in your nearly nature. annoying yeah maybe maybe highly annoying <laughs> just, yeah i don't even think that, that honestly that's in my nature <laughs> what do you what do you do so <sighs> i wonder if how, how do you tell someone to to back, back off, off yeah. when they're trying to be your unasked for mentor basically oh yeah this is like mentor encroachment yeah it is it's like mentoring eminent domain <laughs> like we'll just take over your career here because we need to it's for the good of me <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh boy i mean how do you jeez i mean you could fight fire with fire and just out compete like mm. oh really that's your best algorithm for detecting cycles in a graph really <laughs> I see you haven't been exposed to the tortoise and hare algorithm. <laughs> Beat them Just at their own game. Even even bigger pendant, more pedantic. Yes, double down on the pedantry. Ah, <sighs> I well, I I honestly don't have a great answer here. Surprise! <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't think there's a comfortable way out of this. Yeah. Oh I think, yeah. Yeah. I think the only things that you can do are going to be real offensive to this person before we go down that though can i just get clarity on one of these things i'm curious what your take was on pairing with someone less experienced is a desirable trait in our engineering scoring framework did did you read into that like i did that there's some kind of formalized or written framework that says something about who you pair with and whether that scores you points or not i read it just as a career ladder so yeah. A staff engineer spreads knowledge and helps level up okay. other engineers, that kind of thing. Maybe there is an actual numeric score here. I, I didn't quite take it that way. Okay. Well let let's go with I think your interpretation sounds right. So you you know, you've read this person has read on the checklist of promotion requirements that uh people in more senior roles tend to pair with people in more junior levels so that they can help them level up. Okay. Let's take that for granted. Is that what's happening here? Do you think this person might be posturing for a promotion, trying to, you know, spread the feathers? And is that the right word? That's our second feather reference today. That probably isn't right. (laughs) But they're trying to... There's no way we could have two correct feather references in a show. (laughs) (laughs) Only zero or one of them barely know what birds are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder wonder if that's an incentive at play here. Yeah, it, it certainly 
could be. It might just be a prestige thing, I wonder if too. this person is collecting a portfolio of the things they've done. Like, look at these helpful comments I wrote. I'm going to give you a list of them in my in my performance review doc. Yeah, it could be that. It, it could be also just a prestige or social thing where it, it just... It feels good to feel like you know more and you're dispensing that knowledge to other people that know less. Yeah. But certainly there are professional incentives to look like you are helping someone else learn. Yeah. And ideally those incentives are actually to help someone else learn, not just appear like you are. I I don't know how you get out of this without saying, please stop doing this yeah. <laughs> to the person. Well... <laughs> I have some thoughts on how you could approach that, but it's going to depend a lot on the culture of your company and team. You know, in the in the teams yeah. that I've worked on, I try really hard to establish a culture that feedback is welcomed. And in our team, if you don't graciously accept someone's feedback, that's actually a bad thing. And so if you, can, if you have that kind of culture where feedback is receivable, I would sit down with this person and say, hey, I have some feedback for you. I want to go over some of the answers you've provided to my questions and some of the comments you've left on my code reviews. And I want to share with you the level of helpfulness that they were or weren't. And then I would give concrete examples and say, here, I asked for uh, what color I should make this button. And you left a comment about, you know, garbage collection. (laughs) It's like, this didn't actually help me move closer to my objective. And then go through it one by one and just say, I appreciate you're trying to help. It seems like maybe you could be more helpful by staying on topic. What do you think? Yeah. Bad idea? No, I think it's good. From that, I extrapolate that you're saying, do that for each thing. Um, Don't sit them down and say, back off, buddy. Talk about the specific behaviors that feel unhelpful and maybe don't address this issue that it feels like you're trying to force me to be your mentee. And I don't want that. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not super inclined or to... Or trying to compete with me is, is, I guess, the more direct... Exactly, because that's your perception. Like, there's something else going on here, potentially, that's causing this person to behave in harmful ways that I think would be hard for you to know without asking or without them telling you. You know, that maybe they're going after the promotion, maybe they really don't like you and they just want to make you look bad. You know, there's a lot of different ways this could go down. But in the end, the behavior is the only thing you can ask them to change... I guess you could ask them why they do it. Like, why did you write this question or this comment? Yeah. I don't know. But the problem here is that there is something motivating this behavior that is going to be hard for you to, A, find out what it is, and B, do anything about it to change it. The motivation, that is. I like your point about talking about the behavior. There's a concept called the ladder of inference where you start with observations you see in the world and you basically make assumptions and assign motivations and end up at kind of your interpretation of why that thing happened. Okay. And at each step on the ladder, there's room to get stuff wrong because you're kind of extrapolating. Yeah. And, and so if you say, yeah, Hey, Hey, you're trying to compete with me or you're trying to make me look bad or whatever, then you're, you're kind of jumping off the top of the ladder and trying to do some kind of sweet wrestling move and land on them. (laughs) (laughs) The diamond cutter. Yes, the diamond cutter. <laughs> the uh, constantly harassing you to pair on trivial manners. So, oh boy, that one. I mean, could you just say no? I think one way yeah. I would say that is, thanks for the offer. I really want to focus on this right now. Or I've got it. Like, 
Yeah, or I'll I'll reach out if I'm I I can reach out if I'm stuck. Yeah, like thanks for the offer. I'll reach out. I love that. The first to answer your question in public, I don't know how you navigate this delicately. The, the an undelicate thing to say is thank you. I still have the question. <laughs> Does anyone else know? Yes. The answer? I mean that's that's a little passive aggressive, but it's powerful. You know, it's like thank you for the info. It doesn't answer my question. Just very very bluntly, but also professionally and clearly. Yeah, it 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 would be pretty blunt, but I I can't think of a less blunt way to do that yeah. without cuz cuz I can see the problem you're trying to avoid, which is this person just talked probably for a while and no one else they, yeah. they don't want to belabor the point even more. Well, and if it's a if it's if it's in written form, what I've noticed, actually this is true in both written and verbal form. When you ask a question and somebody gives a long answer, whether it's right or not, most people check out. They're like, "Okay, I see there's a lot of words there." It's, pro- yeah. it's probably taken care of now. They probably got it. Yeah, like that, that's an indicator <laughs> that the question has been yeah. answered. And if you don't follow that's it up, a good point. you know, because if I'm scrolling through a PR comment, like a comment thread, and I see your question, then I see a long answer. And then I see a very short answer from you saying, thank you for that info. It doesn't answer my question. Then I'm like, oh, now I'm reengaged. You know, now, yeah. I, now I'm going to go look at your question a little more closely. But it does. I got to say, this, this person's behavior is not helpful. I mean, okay, maybe that was the most obvious thing I could say, but when someone does that, they are they're literally taking the incentive away from others to actually help. So not only have they not helped you answer your question by giving a wall of text or a long verbal answer, but they've also demotivated the people who can answer your question from providing that answer. So it really is just harmful. And I would probably sit down and, and explain that to them. Maybe. It'd take a lot of guts though. Would you would you Talk to your manager. I feel like if you've taken away, quit your job. Right. Talk to your manager is, is another fallback answer that we can use. They might be able to help you navigate these power dynamics. They might also provide another perspective because maybe uh, maybe you think you know stuff and you don't. Maybe your manager says, oh, or can say, actually, I think they had a good point here because I've, I've seen, they, they brought up this this comment that you think was unrelated, but in this other situation, I don't know, just another perspective that is hopefully more neutral and less charged than this person that you are frustrated That's with. That's a good point. Maybe maybe they will also have your back though and, and help you figure out ways to deal with this. And if it gets testy, if it gets charged, it's better to have them know something about this earlier so that they can understand Yes. That thing that you talked to me about, yeah, it blew up. And they have more context going into it than than just jumping straight into the fire. Yeah, you need to pre-share your side of the story before it becomes an issue. That's a good idea. I usually approach these things in two, kind of two different ways with my manager. One is I'll, like, I'll do something similar to what you said, Jameson, which is approach your manager asking for coaching on how to navigate the situation. And, and that's, you know, maybe okay. You've already come to us, so maybe you don't need to do that. Just kidding. But <laughs> how? How? Why? What could they possibly yeah. say that we haven't already said? <laughs> but the other thing is, so that and that is your manager's job is to help coach you through situations like this. So that's fine. That's an important thing they do. But the second approach is you could actually say, "I have feedback for one of our team members that I want to share with you." And you know, some managers will say, "Just give it to them directly." Okay, fine. And and you'll say, "I already have," but because maybe you have. But sometimes it's important for your manager to hear from their team members' peers how they're perceived as performing. So in this case, you would say something like, 
this person is actually slowing down the development process by asking me to pair unnecessarily, leaving unhelpful comments. Well, just those two things, really. And there's actually another bullet yeah. we haven't talked about here that maybe we should, but just give that feedback and say, hey, as their manager, I just thought you might want to know this is my feedback for them. Yeah. The asking for coaching approach is more indirect. You're giving the feedback in a more indirect way. Yeah, that's way right. Because you're still going to tell them what's going on yep. to say, well, what do I do about it? It just sounds a little more proactive, right? It's not just tattletaling. Yeah. I think it kind of depends on the vibe and the relationship you have with your manager. Yeah. I could see a situation where saying just here's here's the facts, here's the feedback could be helpful as well. Yeah, maybe better. It feels, yeah, it certainly feels more, slightly more passive aggressive to say, help me deal with it this is. situation it in is. which this person is doing all this stuff that is really frustrating to me and bad and slowing the team down. But <laughs> but help me. <laughs> sometimes yeah. that's how the game works. Yeah. Especially in the United States. We don't, we, we like to be cheerful and friendly and less blunt and direct. Yeah. And it's a positive approach. I mean, you really are saying, I, I am willing to take ownership for the part of this problem that I can solve. And I want you to help yeah. me do that. But I still want you, you have to be aware of the problem. So, yeah. yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm too inculcated into my own culture. Anyway, it's a tough one. I, I think if someone came to me and said, here's the feedback, my instinct would be two things. One, say, okay, let's do some coaching about what you do about it. And the other one is the kind of spin off the other process of what I do about it. So I feel like the outcome would probably be pretty much the same if, if I were the manager in this situation. If someone said, hey, help me work on this, I would still spin off that other process of what do I need to do about it. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Just wanted to bring up the, the different approach there. You actually brought up the different approach. I wanted to take credit for your approach <laughs> so I could win the <laughs> Well, it is a competition. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have talked, certainly, which I think means we've answered the question. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Should we read our next question? Yeah, this comes from a listener named Tad Pohl. I am graduating this year and have received two job offers. They are both very similar in terms of pay and benefits. The only difference is that one is fully remote and the other is hybrid with two times a week in person. I would normally jump on the chance to work remotely, mainly due to the fact that I am a bit socially awkward and shy. However, I am conflicted if I should accept the hybrid offer as an opportunity to work on my social skills and experience working in an office sooner rather than later. Should I just accept that my personality isn't suited for in-person? Have you ever had anyone on your team be socially awkward or shy? How did you feel about them? P.S. Have you guys ever thought of releasing merch? I'd love to buy a Space Lawyers t-shirt. <laughs> Ooh. Good call out on a Space Lawyers t-shirt. Time to kick off yet another process in my brain. The t-shirt needs to say, this t-shirt constitutes legal advice and then <laughs> in space in parentheses. Nice. Hmm. hmm. So, so maybe first full-time job, maybe, maybe not, but first kind of job after finishing up school, I have an opinion on what this person should do, but I, I don't know if it's right or not. Maybe I'm just saying the thing that I did, is which it, other people isn't should Isn't that do. the theme of this show? I have an opinion on your yeah. question, but I don't know if it's right or not. <laughs> I did that last week quite a bit. I don't remember if I figured out if it was right or not ever. Yeah, I'm sure You know what? I'm, I'm sure going to change my mind and say my opinion is right before I say it. Oh, of course it is. So if I were you, I would take the hybrid role. All other things being equal. Of course, there are lots of attributes that differ between jobs. And you're kind of 
compare them on all of those attributes. But if this is the big differentiator between them, mm -hmm. I would prefer the hybrid role. And the reason is I think it would be easier to learn and grow faster earlier in my career with some in-person interaction. Oh yeah. There's, there's that quick back and forth that is possible in person that is much more expensive and harder to do remotely and requires a lot more, I think it's a lot more deliberate skill and effort to pull off remotely. And I think the the average hybrid role is likely to be more conducive to, to getting up to speed quickly and, and learning faster than the average remote role for a new early career software developer. Yeah, I agree. I agree for different reasons. Ah, what are the reasons? Well, I mean, if if I'm reading into the question a little bit here, this person wants to become a little bit better at being in person and reduce their awkwardness and shyness a little bit. And I think going mm -hmm. into an office with your team twice a week is a fantastic on-ramp to that process. It's not gonna be jumping in the deep end all five days of the week in person which would be probably really taxing for someone who considers themselves socially awkward and shy. So it's just the right amount of, of interaction to where you can kind of rebuild your confidence <laughs> and the, on the three days that you're not there and then go in, do it in person for a while, right? <laughs> go home, recuperate. You get to make a comment on Friday and then you get to ruminate over yeah. it the whole weekend and Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. And then go back Come in and there the on Wednesday. should have said by Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe write Perfect. up some uh, little cue cards you can hold while you're talking for Wednesday. Yeah. Ready to write go. Write notes on your hand in marker yes. <laughs> so that they can get all sweaty and smeared and you read them wrong. It gives you all that time to plan your your triumphal return. But I also agree with what you said, Jameson. I can't I I spent I spent the last 2 years prior to my current job working fully remote 100%. Well, I guess a lot of people did. But I actually yeah. joined a new company in November of 2020, worked for two years, fully remote, and it was really hard. And I, and I could imagine that coming up to speed and, and stuff for engineers on my team was also really hard. And the reason it's so stark to me is that I've now since switched jobs about seven months ago, and I'm in the office three days a week. It's wonderful for so many reasons, but one of the reasons that are particularly relevant to this question is that people stop by my desk all the time and just ask a little question. It probably happens five times a day. You know, a little question, we take five minutes, an, you know, a couple of ideas are exchanged and boom, we're off again. And I think to myself, how many times did that just not happen in a fully remote world because the friction is just a little too high? And I think the I answer is a lot. I literally forgot that that happened. Yeah. I've I've worked remotely since like 2016. Oh man. And I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's remember it's wonderful. When that happened to me. It's a it's a yeah. really cool experience. And man, even just even just relationship building. You know, you're walking you two people happen to be walking toward the kitchen at the same time like, "Oh, hey, how was your weekend?" You these things just don't happen remote, you know? Yeah. And there are trade-offs and there are things you can do to make it easier to have those kind of ad hoc interactions remote, but it's certainly different still. My personality just isn't suited for in-person. Have you ever... I don't think that's true. I think if you are aggressively unkind, then maybe that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Your personality isn't suited for in-person. If you feel awkward and shy, 
lots of other people do, and especially in this profession that you have chosen. Yeah. You are you are much less of an outlier here than in other places. There are plenty of extroverts and friendly people, but also plenty of shy, awkward people. Yeah, maybe more so than a general slice of the population. So I, I think you. this is kind of like a reverse imposter syndrome where it's like, I'm awkward and shy only to come to find out that everyone else is too. You just haven't seen them in person yet. <laughs> I never met my coworkers in person for my last job. I joined during the pandemic and and just never had any in-person get together. And I got so that I was very comfortable with them. But I also think if we met up in person, there would definitely be some awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. That, that first time, just... I remember that from past remote gigs as well. There's, for me at least, there is some awkwardness to go from the text video interface to the real world interface. For sure. In fact, do you want to hear a hilarious story about that? That's awkward for me. At my last company, I had been there about six months and we organized an in-person event. And one of the engineers showed up to that event and walked up to me and, and said, hi, Dave. And I literally looked back at them and even though I had been on Zoom with them every day for the last six months, I said, oh, have we met? My, my brain just could not recognize this person in three dimensions. And it was a combination of their, of their height was off from the, yeah. from the image that my mind had filled in implicitly. And just yeah. their overall like persona and demeanor and look. It looked totally different to my mind in three dimensions. It was almost like I felt like I was face blind. You know, you've heard about that yeah. that phenomenon. Yeah. It was so awkward. And he, he responded, he's like, No, I'm so and so. And I'm like, Oh, oh. <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> like I just really stepped in it. So awkwardness abounds. It's just gonna happen and you kinda have to accept that. Definitely called someone the wrong name in the first meetup that I went to at, at Walmart. And it was somebody I'd worked with a bunch. Did you call them the name of another coworker? Yeah, I mixed them up with another person. Oh. I knew who they, they were both on the same team. Oh no. Knew them both, worked with them both, and just similar. Oh no. I mean, I'm making a lot of excuses. I could call people the wrong name under much different circumstances <laughs> as well. Even that's the best a, of that's circumstances. That's a skill I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a weird. That happened to me Weird when I vibe. was full-time in person pre-COVID. I remember there were two team members yeah. who I was new to the team. I had been there a few weeks, but I just could not get their names straight. I always swapped them. Well, I had been there several months, <laughs> many months by that time. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> Should I... Uh, have you ever had anyone on your team be socially awkward shy? Yes. Tons of people. Yeah, very common. And it's fine. Yep. You can be a good software developer and a solid communicator while still being awkward and shy. I actually think it's easier to do that if, remotely, frankly. I think it's easier to have that text interface and have the time to take to mm-hmm. collect your thoughts a little bit more. But you can you can be awkward and shy and be great in at fact, work. Yeah, I mean, you're in the right profession. I think most engineers are actually more comfortable with shy people than they are with you know super flamboyant and social and out there people. In fact, Dave people. Yeah, exactly. I was going to tell a story about myself. (laughs) Years ago, I was working as a software engineer in an office of about 50 other engineers. And one of the electrical engineers was talking about culture and how we're hiring and we want to pick people who have the right culture and this and that. And this, this person literally said, 
the last thing we want is a whole office full of Dave Smiths. <laughs> and, and I was like, I mean, I agree. Did they mean it well? Was it kind of like a, like, a, oh, they'll kind of I, give you the head knuckles, like, oh, you're rascal? Or was it? I don't know. I can't I, stand that guy, Dave. I, I, think it, I think he was, it was a comment on how I was a little bit high energy. And I think that okay. felt draining to him. And he couldn't imagine having like 50 super high energy people surrounding him. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a loud laugher and, and I'm a little bit jokey and, and very positive about a lot of things. Anyway, I, I think that the, the reason I cite this example is I think that a lot of engineers are just happier with people who are a little quieter, a little more calm. And, and maybe that comes, maybe you think that's socially awkward, but I think they might not think that about you. There's the kind of shy and socially awkward that, that means you kind of speak up less and contribute less. I've, I've worked with a lot of people like that. And I, I do two things. One of them is try to make sure that they are comfortable enough with the team that when they have things to say, they are willing to speak up. They can participate. We're not losing out on stuff yeah. from them thinking, I wish I could, but I can't or, or whatever. And then the other thing is sort of just accepting that people are different and there are people who will talk more and people who will talk less. And, and I, I also don't want to fundamentally change who they are. You don't have to become an extrovert right, or a, a loud mouth or whatever. Or a Dave to, Smith, to on the team. heaven forbid. Or, yeah, last thing we want. Yeah. <laughs> who so would listen? <laughs> no, I think you're a great listener, Dave. I, I think you are an extrovert mm. and talk a lot and, and are high energy but I don't, I don't know. I think you're great. <laughs> it was crazy. Love. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I will go back to my original point though, that if you're looking for tighter feedback loops, I think yep. those are easier to find with some in-person interaction. If you are sure. going to a remote place, I think you are rolling the dice a little bit more that they will do remote well. Or yep. you're going to have to put in a lot of effort to make up for it to pull in information. Kind of the standard remote trade-off is, is requires more deliberate effort to communicate. And that's even more important if you're a new developer. And I've seen there's a common failure mode with new developers where they just kind of disappear. Yeah. They're not, they're stuck. They don't want to ask questions. They don't want to bother people. And, and so you'd have to be more aware of that failure mode and avoid it remotely. Yeah. Think, and think about that in person. You're sitting at your desk you're stuck, you need help, you see one of your peers stand up, and so you know they're, that they've disconnected from their work for a moment, so now's a good time to go and ask them the question, yeah. right? But you just can't do that remote. You don't know when people are are disconnecting from their deep flow moment for, for a little while. Yeah, yeah, and then you have to do it async. You have to drop a question in, wait for someone to get back, and, and mm -hmm. someone is going to get interrupted. Either they will stop what they're doing to come answer your question right now, or they might wait till they're ready, answer it, and then you have to kind of stop what you're doing if you want to engage in real time or extend that cycle of how long it takes to follow up more yeah which is fine and and works but yeah all right well i think that's pretty clear for us we're going hybrid good luck yep what can people do if they want their own questions answered dave go over to softskills.audio on the worldwide interwebs and click the ask a question button where you can fill out our beautiful little form feel free to give us as much personally identifying information as you feel comfortable giving we are not PCI compliant, though, so don't give us any credit cards. And uh, we would love to see your questions. In fact, it's my favorite part of the week is reading all your questions. So thank you for sending them. GDPR? What does that even mean? <laughs> now I'm trying to think up of a, a, a backronym for GDPR, and I can't. 
Jeez. Go data. Golding. Pull request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's what we're all about. All right. Thank you for asking questions. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you next week. <laughs>